Well, hello everyone. I am Matt Williamson. This episode is brought to you by Live Casino. And as we always do, started the week with a instant response. Recorded that one Sunday night. Recording this one shortly after. It's, you know, pull back curtain about one o'clock Eastern here on Monday. Get it in your, uh, your headsets here soon. You know what time it is? It's time for football and time to jump into the action at FanDuel Sportsbook and lounge at Live Casino. Bet on your favorite teams at our self-service kiosk and sit back and watch the players duke it out on the field on our massive 40-foot video wall. Bet, watch, and win at Live Casino Pittsburgh, Route 30 at the Westmoreland Mall. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Um, for most second pods of the week, I have more nuggets than this one. I mean, this was about as straightforward of an NFL game, an opponent, as you'll find. Uh, we talked about that a lot, previewing Falcon Steelers. But I did find some interesting notes to discuss, so this podcast might be a little on the short side, but such is life. Um, talk about the Steeler running game. Steelers' long run of that game was only 14 yards, which in some, I, I don't mean that in a good or bad way, but it's kind of a side note. Will this ever be an explosive running game, even when it's cracking? You know, and, and it is. It's, it's playing really well. I think we all recognize that, of course. You don't need me to tell you that Steelers have a run game now. But will they ever break off, you know, what, 20-yard runs, 30-yard runs? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, with their current stable of backs, probably that won't be, you know, part of the equation. But in a way, that made this even more impressive. I mean, they had a long run, I said, of only 14 yards. And they still had 154 yards on the ground on 37 carries. And the Falcons only had two tackles for loss in this entire game, too. And they both were on Kenny Pickett, which one of them, if you remember, Pickett did the bootleg, just slid to the ground to keep the clock running. So that one doesn't even count. They really only had one negative play running the football. You know, one tackle for loss of consequence, and that was on Pickett as well. It was kind of a screw-up. So they churned out positive yardage time and time again on those 37 carries, again, with a long run of only 14 yards. So, you know, Najee averaged 5.1 per carry. First time all year he's been over five. If he could be four or five going forward, you know, four, four to four, six, like I don't expect them to be over five. They're going to be hard to deal with. Big picture, again, the explosive runs worry me. You know, I mean, they just do. I mean, that would be a nice aspect thrown in there in the mix that I don't see as part of this run game. But such is life. I mean, explosive plays are a problem for this offense. It's now the biggest problem, as you know, which translates into the red zone woes and all those things, you know, scoring touchdowns. But this is progress. I mean, this is massive progress, and this is a legit hard-to-play-against run game. So Steelers were 6 of 12 on third downs, something I mentioned yesterday. But what I didn't realize, over the past four games, they're also 500. I mean, if you're 500 on third downs as an offense, you're in great shape, which, side note, is why I always worry about don't get the third down because if you hit 50, 50% of your third down snaps convert, you're thrilled. Well, that's not a great ratio, big picture in the NFL. I mean, to, to only be successful on 50% of your plays. So again, I was kind of convoluted there, but 50% is great for a third down offense. Great. So they were 50% in this game, six to 12. 
and they're 30 of 60 on third downs in the last four games. Three and one in those games. I mean, it's not a shock here. Um, talking about sustaining offense and that run game, converting on thirds. They only have one three and out in this game. They didn't punt until early in the fourth quarter, but they only scored 19 points. So things are better. Things are better, but you only scored 19 points. You only one touchdown. You know, like that problem hasn't gone away. But one three and out, I mean, remember watching this offense for the first half of the year? Didn't punt until early in the fourth quarter? I mean, that's remarkable. I mean, Harvin had two punts, and they were both good. We remember the the boomer, or the, the one that fought, drops on the one or whatever. But, you know, you still only end up with 19 points. I mean, they had a 16-play drive, which to their credit, they're not killing themselves, and they're sustaining these long drives. And I told you yesterday that – they have the most 10-play or more drives in the league. At least that's what the announcer said during the game. But they had a 16-play drive in this game that only yielded three points. You know, like, <laughs> there's – this. you flip the coin, look at it heads or tails, and be like, wow, 16-play drive, and then, you know, that's awesome. But you don't get three points out of it, you know, tails, you know. So – but – it's also no coincidence that their one touchdown drive was the possession that they did have a quick strike fashion. You know, I mean, that was the 57-yard play to Fryermuth, and then that sets it up for Hayward for the touchdown. I mean, that was a four-play drive that ate up 80 yards. That's capable. I mean, Pickens can hit an 80-yarder or I mean, a 57-yarder in this class, in this in this number. I don't think they're going to run for big gains, but I think they can throw for big gains. And that was where they got their touchdown. The one one drive that they had a you know big play explosive. You know, so really interesting right now. And again, I'm not really being critical. I'm just trying to analyze both sides of this. But again, it's so much progress. Um, coming into this game, as I told you, you know, the Falcons were unbelievably run heavy. They were 58 percent run team, which in today's NFL is remarkable. I mean, that's second highest only because the Bears exist and the Bears and Falcons are way above everyone else in the league in terms of run-pass ratio. But I kind of talked about this yesterday. First half, they're, they had 17 passes against six runs. Like, we knew that was going to correct itself. I told you that last night, and it did. And But can you imagine now being that coaching staff going – what were we thinking? You know, like you have one identity and you come out in the first half and throw it 17 times while only running it six. I mean, come on, man. Um, so here, I cut and pasted this from somewhere. I apologize. I'm going to double check here. So again, first half when they had 28 rushing yards and no third down conversions. Held the ball for under 11 minutes in the first half. Atlanta we're talking about. So they get back into it and then bring out Cordero Patterson and Algier and they get things finally going after halftime. They had six rushing attempts for 28 yards in the first half, but in the second half was 22 times for 118. Like they got to be kicking themselves. Like I'm not saying they were the Atlanta would have won or lost, but you have one identity and you got away from it and then you get back to it and you're playing well. Um, this is a nut stat. I mean, that can't be sustainable in any way. But I, t- I raved about Drake London last night, and he was targeted on over half the routes he ran. <laughs> I mean, that's insane. I mean, when he goes out, the ball is going to him. And 
he had a nice game, but that all considered, that wasn't great. You know, I mean, it, it, that's not his fault. I mean, a lot of it's Mariota's fault. We'll get to him in a minute, too. They held the Falcons to 18.3 yards per kickoff return. Boy, we'd have taken that three days ago, right? 18.3 yards per kickoff return. That is phenomenal against that team. Um, one note, I, I was talking about A.J. Terrell, what they do with him. Still looking into it a little bit more, what their plan was. But I did find it very interesting that on a, a couple of the third downs, key third downs, they matched their best cover guy by a wide, wide margin on Fryermuth. So that's respect. You know, I mean, that's where Fryermuth is in his career, is, is that people fear him. I love to look at through, you know, I like to look at the Steelers through other teams' lenses. You know, like they'll tell you, and this is why I bring up Deontay a lot. Most teams treat him like the number one because they fear him the most. In this instance, third down, and I'm sure some of that's tendency-driven, Pickett likes to go to Fryermuth on third downs, as he should, and totally adds up. We're going to put our best cover corner on a tight end. So that was more than once. I mean, that was several times, obviously, by design, too. So those are the nuggets I dug up, watching it a second time, researching, all that good stuff. Um, I want to talk snap count stuff with you guys when we get back, as well as more Stock up, thumbs up, stock up, thumbs down, whatever. So be back here in a minute. Sip of water and we will roll in a minute. All right, we're back. Offensive snap count notes. They were the Steelers snapped the ball 65 times in this game. Let's start with the receiver distribution. Johnson was out there for 53 of 65. Pickens was out there for 44 of 65. And the broadcast team to me made a bigger deal out of focusing on Pickens when he was on the sideline. Like I mean, he doesn't play 100% of the snaps. I mean, a few do. And, you know, they run a lot of go routes, as I've told you. And you run a go route, sometimes you just duck out of the sidelines and get a breather, miss a snap, come back in. You know I mean? Because it's exhausting. So I don't look too much into that. That's a little low, 44 out of 65. But when your top guy is only 53 of 65, I mean, not a big deal to me. The other stuff's starting to worry me, and I keep harping and coming back to this, that – it wouldn't, I know this doesn't seem like a need and we're way getting ahead of ourselves, but if their second, second round pick or their third round pick was a wide receiver, more of a slot type, I would be fine with that, especially if they've filled some holes in free agency. Um, Sims played 24 snaps. Gunner played 18. I think you guys know my thoughts on that now. Uh, He should be at five. Boykin played eight. I might rather I would rather have Boykin out there than Gunner. They couldn't be any more different. But that's your wide receiver snap count um, ratios here: 53, 44, 24, 18, 8. And of those, quick math here: 50 snaps you got from Sims, Gunner, Boykin. 
they weren't very impactful 50 snaps from those guys. And I think that needs upgraded or something to think about. This is really interesting to me. And I need to do some poking around here. But again, the offense snapped, snapped the ball 65 times. Gentry led the tight ends in snaps with 48. And I get that he's a really good blocker. But Fryermuth only played 36. And I thought he was open all day. I mean, watching this again... He had a really good day running routes and could have had a bigger day. Talked about the Terrell usage on him. Um, but why I need to dig in was, did he fight something? Is there a reason he only played 36 of 65? With all respect to Gentry, who has his role, he should never be outsnapped by Gentry. I mean, he just shouldn't. So curious about that. Did I miss something? I mean, again, I'm recording this at 1 o'clock on Monday. Um, I thought Fryermuth played tremendous, but he's playing 50% of the snaps in this game. That's odd to me. Um, Hayward, I think, is a guy that has to have a bigger role. He played 14 snaps, and that's gradually going up, gradually going up. But it's difficult for a third tight end to get on the field. Fryermuth and Gentry clearly have their roles. One's the receiver, one's the blocker. Doesn't leave a lot of room for Hayward, but his play warrants more playing time, as does the play of Gunner and Sims you know, warrants more playing time for Hayward is my point. Um, again, offense played 65 snaps. I like this distribution when Najee looks like this. He played 44. Warren played 13. Snell played nine. So I take that back a little. I'd have been fine with Snell at two or three. Um, give those to Warren. Watt played seven as a fullback. That's about what he's been doing post Claypool, which seven snaps from fullback play with, you know, two back is great. I and mean, it's just something different that teams aren't used to. Um, interesting to me, though, on third downs, Warren played seven third down snaps. Najee only played two. So he is still the third down back. Um, yeah, so so be it. Um, flip this over to defense. There's not as much to really discuss here, but the big news to me is the linebacker situation. Uh, 54 defensive snaps. I remember last week, I really harped on Spillane was out. Bush played 100% of the snaps. What are they going to do when Spillane comes back in? I'm, I'm worried. I'm concerned. Frankly, they like Spillane more than I do. And I'm not saying Bush is a great every down linebacker. And, oh, you know, he's a superstar. I just like him on the field more than I do Spillane. Anyway, 54 snaps with defensive play. Bush led the team again with 47. I think that's encouraging. Jack played 41. Also encouraging. He's usually second on this list. Only 13 for Spillane. That's more up my alley. And it's, I'm sure it's also in dime. And the opponent had something to do with this. And you're going to play a team that runs the ball like crazy with heavy personnel and a lot of tight ends and stuff like that on the field. You're going to have less time. So this doesn't forecast to a great Spillane participation day either. Neither will Baltimore, I guess. So we won't really truly know these answers. But the top guys in the 40s, Spillane's in the early, young small teens is perfect for me. You know, 47, 41, 13. Um, defensive line rotation was interesting to me as well. Again, out of the 54 snaps, Cam led the way as he always does, but only played 33. I mean, he's never going to be a 100% snap guy, but it's a physical strain playing this team. I'm sure he tapped out or they pulled him out more than usual. Ogunjobi was right behind him at 32. Um, Adams played 25, which I guarantee is a 
season high, and that's a lot of the opponent. Uh, Warmly played 24. Alualu played 15. Liao, I hardly noticed, but he was active for this game. He played seven. So 40 snaps with a nose tackle on the field is a ton by today's you know, NFL standards, but that's the opponent. Um, I did think it was interesting. Adams outsnapped the Lualu 25 to 15. Adams is the clear starter there. We'll get to the, the what they did in a minute here. So more thumbs up stuff. Um, the young Hayward brother, and not because of the catch. Of course, that we mentioned that, but he was more effective as a run blocker on second viewing than I had imagined. So that's really encouraging for a smaller tight end. Now, is he going to block Nick Bosa and Miles Garrett and those guys in the run game? Probably not, but he is not deficient in that area, which again, I think he needs more snaps. Um, Again, some small things like that. Najee was great in this game in protection. So mentioned that Warren's the third down back, but Najee can handle it just fine. Warren's also a very good blocker, and I like him out in the move on some quarterback design run stuff. So good blocking from the, the running back position in general on this team, but Najee stood out in protection yesterday. I thought Millette had a better game than expected. Wasn't out there a ton. Again, they weren't nickel very much. You know, you're in your base four, three, four more than ever. But I thought Millette had a good game. Um, this is sort of a detraction on TJ Watt, who we talked about enough yesterday. I don't think he's close to 100%. But the right side of that line for Atlanta, their, their tackle, Caleb McGarry, Chris Lindstrom, the guard, both are former first-round picks that people look at and be like, eh, they're kind of busts. They're not. They're both playing really well this year. And I thought they had a really good game that the right side of the Atlanta O-line deserved a thumbs up as well. <laughs> I have a thumbs up category, a thumbs down category, but I also have a note here. Zero Atlanta defenders get in the up category. And they had five defenders play every snap, which, okay. I mean, I, I almost didn't even put that in there, but the, five of their 11 were out there for every snap. And not, none of them were good, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, there wasn't anyone in their defense that I would say, wow, good game by that dude. Thumbs up. Ugh, it's a bad group. Um, thumbs down on Dan Moore. I mentioned the penalties are a problem. Protection in general has been a problem. But usually he's been a killer in the run game. I thought he was below his usual standard run blocking in this game. I've kind of picked on this group too, but Sims, Gunner, Pickens as well were all less effective than Steelers need them to be, to be honest. I mean, this wasn't Pickens' best game, and everyone wants to pout a little bit. That, oh, they get Pickens the ball more. I didn't see him open as much as usual. I didn't think he played his best. And Sims is fine. You know my thoughts on Gunner. Um, also, you know, stock down or thumbs down. Both the nose tackles to me, Alu Alu and Adams, as well as Ogan Joby, um, up the middle runs were wasn't Cam's fault, but these other three interior D linemen for the Steelers had rough days. Had, you know, not not surprising. You know, seeing the way they ran the football in the third quarter in particular, but that group had rough days on the ground and needs to be better, especially with the Ravens coming to town. They're all going to play a lot of snaps, and lastly. Stock down on Marcus Mariota. He was even worse on second view than I thought the first go-around. He's not an NFL starter. That's pretty apparent to me. I'm sure it's apparent to them as well. So that's a wrap. Over and out. Take care.